What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with our second episode of our Big 12 and 30 Days theme. We're joined by the director of broadcasting and the voice of the Iowa State Cyclones. John Walters is with us today, and I just want to say I really appreciate you joining me today. I'm happy to do it, Zach. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we got to start out with the 2020 season. It was an amazing season for Iowa State. Nine and three record, made a run to the Big 12 championship. Did this season for you exceed, meet, or fall short of your preseason expectations? Probably uh, met them and maybe even exceeded them a little bit. Um, I mean, to win a New Year's Six Bowl game for the first time in school history was amazing. Uh, to even get to a New Year's Six Bowl game for the first time, to finish atop the Big 12 Conference regular season standings all alone in first place was uh, something that hadn't happened, uh, you know, uh, since the Titanic went down. Um, so it had been high expectations for last year's team because I knew they were going to be um, But, yeah, they had a magical season, no question. But, um, the, the really exciting thing about it is I think it's sustainable. I don't think it's a, a one-hit wonder for Iowa State, and Iowa State does not have a rich history of that kind of success. Um, but Matt Campbell's creating an entirely new history uh, at Iowa State, and um, what he's done has been remarkable. It's been such a joy to be a part of it and to document it, and uh, I don't think it's something that's going to be a flash in the pan and then it's just going to be gone. I think Iowa State's going to be able to su- just sustain success over a number of years. Right. And, you know, you look at the season and it started out with, I mean, the loss grew throughout the season, but a lot of people looked at that Louisiana Lafayette losses. This team cannot compete in the Big 12. The season is done. But this team bounced back really strong. And by the mid of, middle of the season, the, I was saying Iowa State was the best team in the Big 12. How did this team find a way to bounce back all the way to a Big 12 title berth? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, with Matt Campbell at Iowa State, the Cyclones have started pretty slowly every year he's been there. And, um, you know, in this particular case, the rescheduling of, of that first game, it went from, you know, it was going to be UNLV, it was going to be Ball State, it, it was going to be this, it was going to be that, and then it finally ended up being Louisiana which was a very good team. And we knew that going in. And, you know, it's funny because I saw Matt Campbell um, a couple days before that game. And, and I, I just said to him, Hey, you're going to find out who you are, aren't you? You know, you're going to find out right away what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, and I think that's good, you know, and um, it's a way that you don't get fool's gold uh, by beating somebody 60 to nothing that is nowhere in your ballpark. And, you don't really learn a lot about your team and what your deficiencies are. So I think the opportunity to go back after this game and say, hey, here's some stuff we have to address, I think was one of the big reasons why Iowa State got better. Uh, The good news is it didn't take them three or four weeks to get better. They went out and they won at TCU next time out, which was a really big win. I thought against a really good TCU team uh, that kind of got them on the right track again. Um, But absolutely, those guys didn't waver. Uh, they didn't um, sound in the locker room like they felt like their season was done. They they still felt like it was just beginning. Obviously, it was disappointing to lose to Louisiana. And if you went back and looked at that game, you know, Iowa State along, allowed a long touchdown pass. They allowed a kickoff return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown. So there were 
three really big plays for Louisiana that were the difference in that game without a doubt. Um, but they were really good, and I was super impressed by them, and they were able to win some battles up front, and that was something that we knew could happen. So uh, I, I think the way Iowa State reacted to that was the reason why they had such a successful season. That game had a lot to do with Iowa State having the success that it had. Right, yeah. It showed that they could, they could fight through adversity, and one player in particular, I think we all know that this player is going to be brought up. Barisi Hall, in my opinion, was the best running back in the country this year. I love what Najee Harris did. Those two guys over at, uh, at UNC were amazing, but Barisi Hall was different. He was f- led the country in rushing yards. I believe he was second in the country in rushing touchdowns, was also the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Mm. How did he – what came together for him to let him have this amazing season in – what are your expectations moving for Hall? Well, I think my expectations are very high for him. I think his expectations of himself are very high. I think this football program's expectations of him are very high. And, you know, the fact that he got in there as a freshman uh, the year before and midway through the year really kind of established himself as the go-to running back and then really took off and had a great second half of the season. And it did take a little while. Um and Coach Campbell's talked about the fact that Brees had to understand the kind of practice habits and diet and everything that you have to bring every single day to be in every down back. Once that started to click with him, man, he just had a tremendous freshman season, was freshman All-American. And then uh, so it came into last year, I think all of us expected him to have a good year, but he even exceeded that. He was tremendous, and he was so consistent every single week. The thing about him is he's he's the package of um, – you know, he can make you miss. He can run you over. Uh, he has great vision. He has great hips. And he just has kind of a little – he's very good at all these little things that go into making a great running back, probably vision being right at the top. But, um, you know, he, he understands setting up his blockers. Uh, really was super impressed with his patience uh, to wait for his blocks to develop and then go. And he had a fabulous season. I think Brees Hall is certainly going to be among the people mentioned for the Heisman Trophy again, the preseason uh, projections. I think he finished sixth the year ago, and uh, deservingly so. He led the nation in rushing, and uh, I think he'll have another spectacular year this year. I absolutely agree. And then another player on this team, Brock Purdy, I think he's for me, I feel like he's one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the country. He played some of his best football for this team down the stretch. What are your expectations for him, and do you think he gets overlooked in terms of the top Big 12 quarterbacks in the country? Well, the good news is he doesn't get overlooked by the league coaches because they voted him first team all Big 12. So that was a tremendous honor, especially when you consider – the quality of the quarterbacks in the Big 12 Conference are a lot of really good ones last year and really every year in the Big 12 since I've been covering it. There have been great, great quarterbacks in the league. So anytime you're a first-team All-Big 12 quarterback, you're special. And and Brock Purdy is definitely that. And, you know, I think the thing that benefited Brock and Brees uh, and this entire offense a year ago was the amazing development of the offensive line. Nobody saw that coming going into the season. Um, maybe Matt Campbell did. He, he said, you know, he was confident that this was going to be a good offensive line. And a lot of people looked at him like he had two heads because, you know, uh, they were losing four starters off the season before. But this offensive line really gelled quickly. 
struggled against Louisiana, but came back after that, and they were just lights out uh, the rest of the year. And so that allowed Brock to do his thing. That allowed Brees to do his thing, Xavier Hutchinson to do his thing, Charlie Kohler to do his thing. None of it could have happened without the offensive line, and Brock would be the first one to tell you that. But his feel for the game is exceptional. He's a great student of the game. He loves to compete. He's just a fun guy to be around, a great leader. He was a captain even as a sophomore a couple years ago. And so um, he's a guy that Matt Campbell just feels like is the heart and soul of what Iowa State's been able to do here uh, since Matt's built the program into something pretty special. And it's it's been with Brock Purdy as the quarterback that all that has happened. And uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy hit the ground running as, as quickly as Brock did when he got his first opportunity a couple of years ago down in Stillwater. Um, you know, there was some chatter that maybe Brock Purdy would get an opportunity in that game. And Iowa State was looking right down the barrel at a one and four start if they lose to a top 25 Oklahoma State team that day. Um, you know, got off to a little bit of a slow start. They pulled Zeb Noland out, put Brock Purdy in. Iowa State scored touchdowns on five of its next six possessions against a ranked team. So for a true freshman to come in and do that was just a real indicator of what was to come with Brock Purdy, and he's been great ever since. And Iowa State really found a special one in that young man. Absolutely. I think I think coming into this next season, the, the his ceiling is so high. And in terms of the coaching side, a lot of this success that we're seeing, Matt Campbell gets so much credit. I mean, coming into his sixth season now as the head coach from Toledo, he's a three-time Big 12 Coach of the Year already. He's built a true contender at Iowa State. How has he been so successful in just being around him You know, as you're covering this team? What makes him such a special coach? Oh, man, it, it, we don't have enough time, uh, you know, <laughs> honestly, for me to say all the things that make him special. Um, it's everything about him. And, you know, I, I think it starts with, though, his genuine care for the well-being of his players. Um, that's the number one thing with Matt Campbell. And those guys develop a trust with him. They know that he has their best interest at heart in every single decision that he makes as the Iowa State head coach. He has those players – interest at heart and nobody could ever challenge him on that and with that in mind he earns a great trust and respect within that locker room where guys just want to do anything possible to play for him Um, Matt has a great feel for finding a way to make every member of that roster feel valuable Um, he will play a lot of guys he'll play a lot of guys on special teams he'll play a lot of guys on offense defense and everybody kind of feels like they're involved and they have a stake in it. And I think that's a really vital part of it too. Um, But he just has this big, big picture view of what Iowa state football can and should be. And he he doesn't fool himself into saying, Hey, we're going to go win a bunch of battles against, um, you know, Alabama and Texas, although they have won a couple battles (laughs) on the recruiting front, but you know, it's not going to happen over and over and over again, where all of a sudden you're going to have this operated recruiting class but he's more concerned with finding the guys that are the right fit. And the word that gets overused the most in college football is culture and in any sport, but that's exactly what it is with Matt. He's established a great culture where guys want to be a part of it. Um, Guys that will fit into what his expectations are, are the guys that he goes after. They're very good with player development, uh, but they're really good at identifying those guys that maybe get a little overlooked um, that they see something in. I mean, probably a great example of it is Will McDonald, Rush End, uh, super talented, um, you know, 
Pewaukee, Wisconsin. He was, uh, uh, you know, won the state discus and wearing his uh, Chuck Taylor high tops, you know, and uh, he's just turned into a terrific, um, you know, edge rusher. And so uh, they saw something in him that really has turned into something special on the field. And there's so many examples I could cite like that. But he's a relationships guy first and foremost, and he'll sacrifice some of the things that maybe consume some coaches. He doesn't worry about how much publicity Iowa State football is getting. He's not really concerned about what you know this newspaper is saying or this publication is saying about Iowa State. He could care less about any of that stuff. All he cares about is what's happening within the walls of that Berkshire football complex, and he very much turns all his focus to that and to doing what's right by those young guys. And I think a thing that really helped Matt was when he did come from Toledo, he brought a lot of those assistant coaches with him. They've stayed very loyal to him. Those guys, they just love working together. They love coming to the office every day. It's a joy to them to coach football and to, to do it at Iowa State and try to make those guys better. And they are in it for the right reasons, and it reflects in the team. Right. And, you know, you talk about he understands how to recruit. He knows he's not going to go head to head with Texas, Alabama. This 2021 cycle just wrapped up a month or two ago and Iowa State had a top 60 class. It was top eight in the Big 12, I believe. What for you, though, were the biggest positions of need? And are there any recruits that you think could come in and make an immediate impact for the team next year? You know, I'm sure there will be some that make an immediate impact, maybe even on special teams, although uh, there really weren't big positions of need as far as, hey, we got to fill this gap right away. Um, you know, maybe a little bit um, at defensive tackle, although I think they feel pretty good about what they have back there, especially with any Wazirike's ability to move inside if needed. Um, and they did lose Latrell Bankston to a transfer, which was unexpected. So they, they took a little hit on their depth there, but – when you look at Iowa State and you look at what's coming back, um, basically 21 of the 22 starters are back because a lot of guys took that NCAA waiver that allowed them an extra year of eligibility. And I think some that even most of us were saying probably are going to be done are back, including Greg Eisworth, who's a three-time All-Big 12 safety, Charlie Kohler, who's a, a you know an All-American tight end. Um, some guys uh, – and Charlie didn't take the waiver because he was a junior – a year ago, but, um, you know, there were several seniors, Sean Foster along the offensive line. I mentioned Greg Guysworth, guys that, that you weren't maybe sure were going to do that. And he was Arike, who I've mentioned already, that were like these huge bonuses to get back. And so Iowa State's going to have the most experienced team it's ever been able to put on the field. And not only, you know, basically 21 of 22 starters, but guys that were all Big 12, guys that were All-American. They returned three All-Americans and and Charlie Kohler, Brees Hall, and Mike Rose. Um, you know, the offensive and defensive player of the year in the Big 12 Conference return, that doesn't happen very often any year. But to have the offensive and defensive player of the year in the conference return is huge. And then a lot of other guys were first-team all Big 12 players that I haven't even mentioned. So uh, there's a bevy of really talented players coming back. That doesn't guarantee you anything because – you know, Iowa State still had to win its close games to have the kind of season they did a year ago, and they're going to have to do that again. They're going to be in a lot of close games. There's no uh, expectation that they're just going to go roll through everybody. The Big 12 is too good for that to happen. But they're going to have to be really good, as Matt Campbell calls it, in the margins and win those close games. But I think with the veteran experience they have coming back, they're in a great position to do that. 
Right. And, you know, you, you talk about the 21 of the 22 starters pretty much coming back. Are there any starters, though, you know, we know the Barisi Halls, we know the Brock Purdy's, we know the Kolar's, the Mike Rose's, the Greg Osworth's, all those guys we know about. Are there any players who you think are going to have their breakout seasons this year and could be a first-team All-Big 12 or could be the Big 12 defensive or offensive player of the year that we don't know about right now? Well, I think Aishim Young is a really talented young player who was, uh, you know, Big 12 freshman of the year defensively a year ago um, and has the opportunity to take another big step forward. Very physical. He was a redshirt freshman last season, uh, really hits, but can flap and make plays on the football. So to have him and Eisworth back at a couple of those safety spots uh, really bodes well for that back end, especially if the guys up front are doing their job. And I think there's a lot of guys up front that give you confidence that that can happen. So I don't know if it's off the radar because Ishim had a pretty good resume a year ago. So did Xavier Hutchinson, who was a first-team All-Big 12 wide receiver a year ago, but I expect him to be you know, even better this season. Uh, a guy that maybe is a little bit under the radar just because he was hurt most of last season was Tariq Milton. And Iowa State did not necessarily have that big speed threat uh, to hit the home run play over and over again. But Tariq can be that guy. He's that guy that can really stretch the field. And so, um, you know, he's a guy that maybe will catch some people by surprise just because he was hurt a year ago, but is certainly capable of producing in a big way at the wide receiver position. Right. And, you know, looking ahead to the schedule, I feel like it's manageable. I mean, you get Iowa, you get Texas, Oklahoma State, and TCU all coming into Ames at home in your environment but you still do have that Oklahoma game on the road at Norman, which is always going to be brutal, especially with Spencer Rattler and a lot of those players coming back. But for you, what is the ceiling and or floor for this 2021 team? Well, uh, I guess, yeah, for me is the key words there because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think Matt Campbell's going to going to put a number on either one of those. Um, I don't see a game that Iowa State doesn't have the potential to win. And I say that with a straight face, and in a lot of years you couldn't, you know, at Iowa State. I, I, I do say it absolutely with a straight face, especially given how the Iowa State-Oklahoma matchups have gone in recent years. The last five meetings between these two schools have basically come down to the last possession. And so even when Iowa State's lost, and, uh, you know, last time they went into Norman, they lost in overtime. They uh, beat Oklahoma and Norman in 2017, which is a shocking upset that really got the ball rolling on all these great things that have happened for Iowa State. Um, obviously beat them in Ames a year ago and then lost to them in the championship game. But that's the one that just jumps off the schedule, jumps off the page. But, you know, the Big 12 is tough. Uh, I, I saw a ton of uh, improvement in West Virginia a year ago as the season went on. I think they're going to be very difficult. I think TCU with Duggan returning is going to be very good uh, again this year. Um, Texas, who knows what the sky is for them because uh, they've always had talent. Can Sarkeesian put all the pieces together? And, you know, a lot of people are picking them first or second in the conference, certainly second, uh, a lot of people are. Um, and, you know, in the Big 12 with a nine-game conference schedule, every other year you're going to play five of those games on the road. And so this is one of those years where Iowa State has six home games, six road games, but within the league, they only have four home games and five of those on the road. So it's going to be a challenge to be up at the top of the league and to uh, go get an opportunity to get into that Big 12 championship game again. But I'm certainly not going to sell this team short of that. And who knows what the floor is? I mean, you could have a bunch of guys get hurt. You could have uh, situations out of your control happen. 
so, I mean, I guess you could say you could lose them all, but you also know that you could win them all. And that's really not a great answer to your question. But I, I do honestly <laughs> feel like Iowa State um, will not enter a game this season where, you know, they go in not without confidence that they can win that football game. Right. And kind of a follow up here. I mean, I, I don't want to seem like I'm jumping the gun, but it Iowa State is is in realistic contention for the Big 12 title, which puts you in position for a playoff run because the Big 12 champion is usually not going to get left out. It, it did, you know, this year because Notre Dame ended up joining a conference. But if it so happens that Iowa State makes a Big 12 run, makes a playoff run, how big for the you know, just in just for Ames and this university, would it be to win a Big 12 title and make the college football playoff? I can't begin to describe it. Uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how big that would be. Um, you know, Iowa State has had a loyal fan base for a lot of years. Um, and I've said you know, through the years, Iowa State's lost a lot of football games. They've never lost a tailgate. And I think that still holds true. <laughs> These fans love coming to the games. They, they've loved it even through the thick and thin. They came when the records weren't great. And, and it, I think it's one of the things that really attracted Matt Campbell to Iowa State, that this loyal fan base was there and that um, it gave you uh, a great opportunity to have success if you could put up a good product on the field, and he's certainly done that. Um, but this fan base would go absolutely nuts if, if all those things happened. And, um they, they, they love a great success, but they're going to be back no matter what. But, uh, man, if something like that happened, yeah, Katie bar the door. And, uh, you know, if you're headed to the playoff, last person out of Ames, turn off the lights, as Fran Fraschilla said, uh, at the Big 12 tournament one year when there were 18,000 fans at the, what was then the Sprint Center in Kansas City. That's pretty much what you'd have again. That's that's awesome. I root for them. They were one of my favorite teams to root for last year. I actually had them in the playoff race that they were going to win the Big 12 title. I was like, they should be that four spot. But uh, I do have plans this year. The Iowa-Iowa State game, I'm currently a graduate student at K-State. I want to come to Ames for that game, experience the environment. But f- just from you, who's been here, covered this team, what makes Ames, Jack Trice Stadium, such a unique environment on game days? Well, I think it's everything that surrounds the game. You know, um, I often get asked, what do you enjoy calling more, football or basketball? And I I honestly have to answer, I enjoy them both the same amount, but it's for different reasons. You know, football is the entire game day environment. It's everything that's happening surrounding the game. It's People make a day of it, you know, and basketball, I love being down on the floor close to the action, and and Hilton Magic certainly is special. Um, But... Um, the football game day environment at Iowa State, I think, is just about unparalleled. And you should know at Kansas State because that's about the closest thing there is to it, where in every direction you look from the press box, you've got tailgating lots. And, you know, a lot of stadiums, not only throughout the Big 12, but throughout the country, don't have that kind of setup. And it's not anybody's fault. They were built maybe in a neighborhood. And then that stadium expands from 30,000 to 70,000 and all of a sudden that neighborhood shrinks and you don't have the ability to put all that tailgating around the stadium. Well, at Iowa State, when it was built, they were way ahead of their time and they built all these lots and all this area surrounding the stadium where they could add on to the stadium easily. They could have great uh, uh, tailgating environment. And so when you look out there and you just see this sea of cardinal and gold in every direction you look, it's really, really cool. And I think that sets up what happens within the stadium. 
but that has gone to a different level, certainly in the last few years. Now, obviously, last year is the exception because of COVID, and it was it really robbed Iowa State fans of an opportunity to experience the best team in school history. Um, they won't be robbed of that opportunity this year, and I expect them to be pretty rabid. And uh, But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of people that put a lot of effort into making sure that every part of the game day experience is special. And it certainly starts with the coaches and players, but marketing, um, you know, the, the athletics director himself, Jamie Pollard, has a keen eye for this thing. We have a great marching band. And so all these things kind of play into making the game day environment really special. But it, to me, it, it begins and ends with the fans. I mean, these people have been great through thick and thin, and uh, hopefully they're there for thick this year. Right. I'm excited to come up there, try to get, you know, a ticket. I'm sure ticket sales all across the country are going to be outrageous because there's going to be so many people itching to get in there. So I'm, I got my fingers crossed on it. I also want to get down to Norman and go to the Iowa State Oklahoma game. Oh, yeah. That's in late November. But last question here, man. You have been the voice of the Cyclones since 03. You've seen some amazing games, players, moments for this program. But for you, what has been your most memorable moment and or game you have called for Iowa State football? Well, I think the most memorable moment and game were the win at Oklahoma in 2017, just because it was so unexpected. Um, Matt Campbell was just starting to get the Cyclone program turned. They were off to kind of a slow start that season again. And um, the quarterback was Jacob Park. And he was expected to be the starter. Everybody thought he was going to be the guy going out there to take that first snap against Oklahoma. Well, during the week, there was kind of a, a falling out between Jacob and the, and the coaches where they decided they were going to go a different direction. And you stick in Kyle Kempt, who had never started a game and thrown two forward passes in his lifetime, fifth-year senior, walk-on. And he goes out there and starts in Norman, Oklahoma, in front of 80,000 fans, and the uh, number, I think it was three-ranked team in the country. Iowa State's a 32-point underdog. And they go in there and win. And uh, the touchdown pass to Alan Lazard, who's now with the Green Bay Packers, to clinch the game. It really got the ball rolling, as I mentioned, on what Iowa State's been able to do since. It established some credibility, especially within that locker room of, hey, all the stuff that I've been telling you, this is it coming to fruition. All these things about, you know, if we pay attention to detail and we do the little things better than our opponent, we can beat about anybody. And I think you would understand it better than anybody as somebody who's at Kansas State. Bill Snyder, it's really following his uh, blueprint of winning in the margins, as Matt calls it all the time, of doing the little things exceptionally well, not beating yourself with a ton of penalties, not beating yourself with turnovers, where you might be considered to have a talent uh, deficit against an opponent that's uh, top five, top 10, tip team, but you can overcome that and still win those games. And so I think that one uh, really uh, is the best. Um, but another one that's always going to be special to me uh, will be Dan McCartney's last game as Iowa State's head coach, because he meant so much to this program and, uh, his last home game, Missouri with Chase Daniel at quarterback, came into Jack Trice Stadium, and they were ranked. They were a very good team. And Iowa State had a goal line stand at the end, and they carried Coach Mack off the field on the shoulders. The players did. And to me, that, for personal reasons, was special, just because I respected and appreciated him and what he did for Iowa State so much. But there have been a lot of others, but those two probably jump out right off the page at me the most. 
Yeah, uh, the, those both. I mean, that 2017 game. I remember watching, like, seeing the end of that one. That one's just that's a crazy upset, and that's why I think college ball is arguably, in my opinion, the best sport out there. But I appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's so busy with spring practice starting, the basketball season just ending, baseball's even going on. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time. But where can our listeners find you on social media? Where can they find Iowa State games, any shows, podcasts, anything you do, man? Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, Cyclones.com is a great place to go. We have uh, we do a podcast on there, an, an athletics department uh, podcast. It's called The SciCast. It's on SoundCloud, and you can get it through other venue uh, ways of doing it. But the easiest way is just go to Cyclones.com and keep an eye on what's going on there. Um, Athletics Department Twitter account's a great uh, great one to follow. Cyclone football and Cyclone men's basketball, women's basketball Twitter accounts are all very popular. Uh, my Twitter account is JWCyclonesTV. So if anybody wants to follow me on there, they're welcome to. They might get kind of bored with it uh, pretty quickly. But uh, <laughs> uh, if they want to, they're certainly welcome to because it is pretty centric to Iowa State. But, uh, no, I enjoy it. I, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of this program. Um, I, I can't tell you how lucky and blessed I feel uh, to work with the coaches and people that I do. And uh, it's a daily labor of love for me. And I, I work hard at it, but uh, there's never a day that it feels like work. So I appreciate you having me on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But guys, make sure to go follow John. And I promise you, Iowa State football is one you're going to want to keep up with this coming year and in the future, especially with Matt Campbell and what he's doing. But y'all know where to find us. This is our second episode of Big 12 in 30 Days. We have more episodes coming out later this week and the next week. And y'all know y'all can catch the two-minute drill Monday through Friday on our YouTube channel, the Blue Blood CFB Podcast. But for myself, for John, and the Blue Bloods guys, we are out.